0: Revolution. Welcome to Truth Revolution. This is where faith and reason meet. I'm Pastor Dave. That guy is Pastor Jeff. We're from Revolution Church in Salina, Kansas.
1: Today we're doing uh, one of the shows that we do every so often. We haven't done one for a while. Answering questions from atheists. And so on YouTube, there's a uh, video called 10 uh, Questions for Christians from a guy named Dallas Wade. Mm-hmm. He's an atheist on YouTube. Uh, so he throws out these 10 questions, and I, I think they're reasonable questions. Yeah. So I think we're just, we're just going to go through and answer these. Right? Right. Okay, Dave? Yeah. I mean, that
0: first one's really easy.
1: When Wh- did you become a Christian? Yeah. I actually think he's building a cumulative case here. Okay. What he doesn't know is that our, our answers are, are not going to make the case very cumulative. Right. Well, our <laughs> answers
0: are going to be totally opposite, right? Well,
1: there, I think they're going to be different one. than he would expect, okay. maybe. Um, so I, so when the first question, when did you become a Christian?
0: Well, I spent a lot of my life uh, believing I was a Christian. You know, uh, raised in a Christian home, and um, we went from church to church. We never stayed in one church, but I, I believed in Jesus. I did the Sinner's Prayer when I was nine, even though I really didn't know what it meant. But it wasn't until I actually went to prison and I met Jesus in prison, and when I came out, I believe that that because of my desire to. Um, to submit to god's authority, I mean God directed my steps. He brought me here to revolution church and and um, my faith has just grown since then, and I realized uh several years ago that what i was what I thought was Christianity way back when I was a kid really wasn't, and so I had a lot of uh, a lot of misinformation that I believed in when I was a child. so
1: what hmm. about you? I became a christian and I, this is weird. I, I wouldn't affirm this in most people, <laughs> but I will for myself <laughs> Isn't that weird, yeah. uh, that I became a Christian when I was three. Um, the reason I say I wouldn't affirm it for most people is cause they, I, I think for most people, you know, they kind of waver around and, right. you know, maybe follow God, maybe don't. Uh, when I was three, I, I won't go through the whole discussion I had, but um, I, I had a discussion with my parents, uh, my mom specifically about heaven and hell, how people go there. Um, and I went outside and I thought about it for a long time, came back in, decided I was going to follow Jesus. And within a week or two of that, I was I was witnessing to people, telling people the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it it was really weird. Um, and since then, I've, I've been a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, I think what what is what this guy's getting to is like, did you become a Christian as an adult because you had the evidence or because, you know, you were raised that way. Right. Yeah. And I, I would say, uh, I, and I'm, I'm going to get to this more on a later question, but I would say I became a Christian because of my family, but I stayed a Christian because of the evidence. Right. Um, I, I'll get to that more later. Is there anything else you want to add on that?
0: No, I mean, I would say that, uh, that what, something you said earlier. Um, basically, I mean, I, I did, I, I really floundered a lot when I was younger. Um, you know, uh, when I graduated high school and I, I, uh, just really kind of took over my own life. I got away from, um, the Christian influences and I really, I started doing the partying and stuff like that and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, lived a lot of stupid, uh, <laughs> moments in my life. And, um, you know, and that's how I wound up in prison. But, uh, you know, I think, um, we We did live kind of totally opposite uh, childhood, so, yeah,
1: but Okay, now let's go to the question number two. All right. What convinced you that the Bible is true? Now, see, later on, he talks about why do you think the Bible is true? Uh-huh. And so I think here he's asking, like, what convinced you initially? Like, when you were younger or when you first came to faith or whatever, what initially convinced you? And I would say, initially, I was raised to believe the Bible is mm-hmm. true. And again, my answer now would not be that. The reason I think it's true is different reasons now. Right, I agree. Uh, but... I think initially that I was convinced the Bible was true because my parents and my pastors told me it was true. It seemed to have power when I read it and it changed my life. As I studied it, I realized there was truth there that I could apply and it affected me in real ways.
0: Right. And I think, I think that maybe to his point, uh, he's trying to think it's like, okay, is it just a thing? I mean, are you just, uh, raised that way? And now you all of a sudden believe, look, um, my mother is very wise. Okay. I've been around very wise people. Um, and just because they believe in a, in a God that maybe you don't believe in doesn't mean that they're not smart people. And um, the way I was raised, it's like my mom did tell me, it's like the Bible is true. I was around a lot of pastors who say, yes, the Bible is true. And, um, but, you know, I didn't get a lot of questions answered because I, I didn't go very deep with my faith until I was way into my yeah. adulthood. So, right, um, but yeah, it, it, and you know, I would venture to say almost every Christian. Well, I wouldn't say almost every Christian. but I say a lot of Christians start out being, you know, I was raised that way.
1: Yeah. And I believed that way up in, into high school until I encountered some Christians who believed differently than me. Yeah. Then I had to start studying the Bible. I'm like, well, what does it actually say? I, instead of just taking people's word for it. And then I had to realize, like, how do I even know this is true at all? And so I had to start studying that. Right. And so high school was transformative for me when I went from just accepting it as true because people told me to realizing it's true because of the evidence and which we'll get into later. Yeah. All right. Number
0: three. Number three is, were you raised by Christians? And if so, on a scale of one, ten, one to 10, how much do you think that contributed to you becoming a Christian? Which, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think we kind of answered it a little bit, but you got Yeah. I mean, I would just say, he asked for on a
1: scale of one to 10, oh, yeah. how much did that contribute? And I, I w- honestly, I'd say like an eight. I mean, yeah. if I, I well, I guess I can't say I wouldn't be a Christian if I wasn't raised with that family. But I would say the fact that I was, 8 out of 10, that influenced me to be a Christian. But that's becoming a Christian, which actually I don't think is the important question logically. Right. I think the important question logically is not uh, what contributed to you being a Christian, becoming a Christian. What contri- the, the, the question is, what contributed to you staying a Christian? Right. And for that, I believe Christianity is true. I believe in the factual evidence. I believe in the scriptures being from God and I have reasons to believe those and personal experience with God. So all those things have contributed to me staying a Christian. If I hadn't encountered those things, I I don't see any reason to stay a Christian.
0: Right. And I agree. Um, I would say I'd probably be around maybe a seven or eight um, because I just sitting here thinking about it. You know, if I was raised some other way, um, then, you know, that may have influenced me. In other ways, until I started encountering the truth of the Bible, if I ever did, yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, because I was raised that way. When I when I, you know, when you get in trouble, you flounder. You are like, God, I'll never do it again. Get me out of this, and I promise I'll follow you for the rest of my life. And um, but you know th- that prayer didn't get answered in the way that I wanted it to get answered. I'm sitting there in prison, and I decided to go ahead and read through the Bible, and I'm just reading all this stuff, and I'm like, man, God is, you know. God is powerful and, and I began to call out to him and, but it wasn't until, um, I got out and I, and I got around, uh, some really knowledgeable Christians that I really started getting a lot of my questions answered that really solidified my faith. Yeah. Cool. So, um, next question is, is it possible for someone to believe that they have a relationship with God when they do not? And if so, how do you know that your relationship with God is real? Well,
1: I mean, of course it's possible for someone to think they have a relationship with mm-hmm. God when they don't. It's possible for people to think they have a relationship with me when they don't. Right. <laughs> I mean. it's true. That people, especially because I'm on, I'm on stage and stuff, mm-hmm. like people who've never met me or talked to me in my life will come up and be like, hey, what's going on, man? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know you. <laughs> you
0: know, and a really, really odd thing too about that is, is like being uh, like, in this kind of setting on, on the radio, uh, because I, I spent years, many years doing radio yeah. before I got locked up. And, um, that is so true. I mean, you go out into the public and people that you've never seen before think they know you because yeah. <laughs> you talk to them on a daily basis. Yeah. And
1: you share your personal life. You yeah. tell them all this stuff. And so similarly, God has given us all this information in the Bible. Like we've experienced him, but like Yeah, you can absolutely think you have a relationship with God when you don't. Um, In addition to that, I mean, the scriptures even talk about it, uh, especially there's people called false prophets. Mm -hmm. You know, 1 John 4, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. First thing he says, don't believe every spirit. That's not like ghosts and stuff. That just means like false teachers, the, the spirits and the people. Don't believe false teachers. He says, this is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit you know, every person that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. That is the spirit of the Antichrist. Okay, so this doesn't mean that anyone who says, oh yeah, Jesus came from God means they're good. That's, that's not what it's saying. Uh, John, who wrote that part of the Bible, he wrote this letter. He was writing to people who had a very specific problem. There were a group of people who were saying, hey, Jesus was God, but he didn't actually come in the flesh. And so John's writing them. He's like, they have to say Jesus came in the flesh. And so John says, if you don't agree with that, then you're from the devil. (laughs) Okay. So these people didn't really know Jesus, but they thought they did. Uh, They say Jesus didn't have flesh. He just borrowed a body. So John's saying, look, uh, and if they don't believe that, then they're not really, they don't really know the true God. This is what he says in verse six. We are from God. Who's he talking about? It's talking about the apostles, yeah, yeah, right. right? Him and the other people who knew Jesus he says we're from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever's not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Okay. He says, we asked the apostles, like they knew they were writing stuff that the church would consider scripture, right? The, the Bible is not huge misconception that clears up lots of stuff for people. The Bible's not some book that was like, Oh, came from heaven, like <laughs> right. with beams of light shooting mm-hmm. out of it. Like it was the apostles, these close followers of Jesus yeah. who knew Jesus. Eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses to the events that happened, who had done some miracles, and the other Christians knew, yeah, these guys were appointed by God. Right. And when they would write a letter, everybody would go, whoa, they wrote this. That's a pretty big deal. We better keep that. So when John says, hey, these people don't agree with us. They're wrong. You don't even know God. What he's saying is, we knew Jesus. Right,
0: yeah. We knew him. You don't know him. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the, that's uh, the point that I was going to make is that uh, these, the letters that they write come from a very personal knowledge of who Jesus was. Yeah. And even the stuff that they wrote down in the Bible, man, um, they spent more time with Jesus that would fill way more volumes than what, than what they put in the gospels. Right. Yes. And so they knew Jesus intimately and, uh, when you get somebody from the outside saying, well, I don't think that Jesus was the way he was, you know? Um, yeah, trust me, the people that spent the most time with him would know.
1: Exactly. And so he says, we are from God and this is verse six. And he says, whoever knows God listens to us. Right. So like, how do we, so then the second part of his question, how do you know if your relationship with God is real? Well, I I would say the main question is, do you listen to what the apostles said? And do you believe it? Like if, If you believe what scripture is saying, what these apostles wrote down, and you're genuinely making the effort to get to know God, then you have a real relationship with God. I forget who it was, but someone said this quote, and it's just fantastic. Everyone is as close to God as they want to be. Right. Everyone. Like, if you don't want to be close to God, then you're not. You are as close to God right now as you want to be. And as long as you're believing the scriptures and putting in the effort to know God, I believe your relationship is real. Now, some people are false teachers. They don't have a real relationship with God because they don't want to know the true God. Right. They want to believe some crazy stuff about, you know, whatever God's going to make me rich or God's going to uh, whatever false motive you're going to insert in right. there. Yeah. But they want to believe these whack things instead of the, the real true God. Right. All yeah. right. That's question good. question five.
0: five, there are tens of thousands of denominations of Christianity. Mm-hmm. They all disagree on either doctrinal or theological issues, <laughs> many of which are seen as essential belief or action uh, for one to gain salvation. How confident are you that your denomination is the correct one? Or if you don't consider yourself to be a part of a denomination, how confident are you that your personal interpretation of the Bible, especially concerning uh, its doctrine and the, uh, theolo- the uh, theology, the theology, uh, that, that your theology is the correct one.
1: Okay, so he wants to know about our denominations. Right. I think essentially this question comes down to the story of the thief on the cross. Okay, st- stick with me for a minute. Okay. There, Jesus was on the cross. He was dying, paying for all our sins, right? He was taking the punishment that we deserved from God while he was on the cross there. There's a guy next to him or near him on a cross as well. And he said, Jesus, you know, and he, then he says, Hey, we're, I've done wrong. Jesus has done no wrong. He goes, Jesus, remember me in your kingdom. And Jesus says, today I tell you the truth. You will be with me in paradise. So what we see here is a story of a guy getting saved, right? Right. This guy's now going to go to paradise or heaven, uh, eventually. And all, what we see here is a recognition of I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. God exists. Jesus needs to forgive me, and I can't earn my way to heaven, right? right. That's essentially, yeah. those four things are right there in the story of the thief on the cross, as guy who got saved in the last minute of his life. That is what some people like C.S. Lewis will call mere Christianity. Those are the essentials of Christianity. And the question that is being put forth here makes it sound like there are so many different <laughs> Christian denominations as though there's different Christian religions. That's, right. not, That's true. not true. Nope. That's not true. There's different denominations. There's different styles. There are some different beliefs, but on the
0: essentials, we are all unified. Yeah, and and that is an important point to make because when we get together with other Christians, even when they're not in our denomination, we celebrate those things that we have in common because those things are the truth. Yeah, and those are the things that make us what make us Christian. Now, if there is somebody that that didn't believe in the core. Parts of it, they can't really even call themselves Christian because right. Jesus Himself is like, uh, He acknowledged, I lived, I died, I rose from the dead, and and I died for your sin, and I'm God. If you don't believe those things, then you can't really call yourself a Christian.
1: Right. I mean, we can throw the Trinity in here too. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just wasn't part of the guy's experience on the cross, but we right. can also throw the Trinity yeah. in there to something that all Christians believe. Um, C.S. Lewis uh, wrote a book called Mere Christianity. The whole idea is mere Christianity, like the the basics, like the super basics. Uh, this, And he's talking about why he wrote the book and why he gave these talks this is what he says. We read that day.
0: Says, "I that I offer no help to anyone who is hesitating between two Christian denominations, you will not learn from me whether you ought to become an Anglican, a Methodist, a Presbyterian, or Roman Catholic." This omission is intentional. Even in the list I have just given, the order is alphabetical. There is no mystery about my own position. I am, very ordinary, uh, I am a very ordinary layman of the Church of England, not especially high, nor especially low, nor especially anything else. But in this book, I am not trying to convert anyone to my position. Ever since I became a Christian, I have thought that the best, perhaps the only service I could do for my unbelieving neighbors was to explain and defend the belief that has been common to nearly all Christians at all times.
1: And that's mere Christianity, right? right? There are things that all Christians at all times believe, like the the Trinity, that I'm a sinner, Jesus exists. Jesus is the one who forgives me. I can't earn my own way back to God. Now, this guy says, how confident are you that your denomination is the correct one? And I would say, mm. I'm not, <laughs> because I don't even like the question. I think it's a correct denomination, yes. but not the. Uh, I even have personal points of disagreement with our denomination, yes. yeah. but they're not too much to make a fuss about. Um, I, I think what a lot of people misunderstand. Um, some of them even inside Christian, Christians themselves misunderstand about denominations and church beliefs is that they they think it's this all or nothing um, equation right? where you either have to believe everything the church has told you or everything the denomination says or you can't be part of it right. or a denomination cast um, can only get along with another denomination if they totally agree with each other on everything. And that's just not true. We, we recognize there are fundamentals to the faith and then we recognize, recognize there are secondaries and denominations. Typically what makes it a denomination is that it's organized around secondary issues not primary issues if it was organized around a primary issue you're talking about a different religion right absolutely you're talking about mormonism versus christianity hinduism versus christianity right. now i you, we might even separate these into to bigger things like you have catholicism and Orthodox Christianity, and Protestantism, and Anabaptism. Like, those are like the mainstreams. Right, yes. You might say those are secondary issues, and then inside, you like Protestantism, you've got evangelicals, and those evangelicals, the reason there's denominations in there, are all like tertiary issues. Right, yeah. Right, like our denomination's really big on the peace position, and so other denominations aren't. And so that's why our, we've come together as a dynamic. You, go, you know what? This issue is a big deal for us. Yeah. Uh, we, we like this, but we're not going to look at someone who disagrees with us on that and go, obviously you're going to hell. <laughs> no, no. Cause that's, it's not a primary issue. No, it's important to us. And we we teach about it, but that's not what determines Christianity. Right. Um, so I, I think that's a big deal, but the que- can I just say the question is weird though? Okay. How so? Okay. So what is the point of this question? Is it to suggest that because there's many different denominations that there's not a correct one? See, what I always find interesting when uh, atheists or people outside Christianity point at denominations and go, oh yeah, well, what denomination are you and why do you think yours is the right one? Like, what are you really asking? Like, why are you asking? Are you saying that because there's different denominations, they must all be wrong? Because that's a bad Logical,
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: So, so I, at one time, there were a lot of different theories about the location of the sun, moon, and stars in relation to Earth. There was a lot of theories about what the right position of the sun versus Earth. Is Earth flat? Does the Earth revolve around the sun? Does the sun revolve around Earth? There were a lot of different theories. One of them was right, others were wrong. Some of them were similar to each other, and they all were right in a way, and other ones were wrong. It didn't mean that they were all wrong. Uh, There once were many theories about why people got sick. Now we know about viruses and bacteria, right? right? Just because there were a lot of different ideas didn't mean there was no right idea. And so when people ask this idea about, well, which denominations, the right one, you're like, there's so many denominations just because there's a lot of denominations doesn't mean there's a right one or a wrong one. Um, There clearly are denominations that have some right ideas and some wrong ideas Ours has some right ideas. I'm sure we've got some wrong ideas. Yeah.
0: Well, and and uh, also, um, you know, I wound up, our, our denomination is brethren in Christ. Now, I wound up in it for some reason. Maybe I was guided here, but I started reading our core values, and I just fell in love with who we were. Now, could I pull myself out of this denomination and go over to a Baptist church and, and worship? Heck yeah. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Because the fact that there are many different ideas doesn't mean that there's no truth in those ideas. I I think it's just a confusing question. In fact, we've learned many, many, many denominations are correct in the basics. In fact, ours, Brethren in Christ, Baptist, Lutheran, Greek Orthodox, Catholic, we all pretty much agree. I'm a sinner, God exists, Jesus forgives me, the Trinity exists, and you can't earn your way to God. Amen. Like those, those
0: basics are so important. Yeah. All right. Question number six. The Protestant Bible contains 66 books. The Catholic Bible contains 73. The Ethiopian Orthodox Bible contains 81. And up until 1885, the King James Bible contained an additional 15 books known as the Apocrypha. The current Protestant Bible itself contains references to more than 30 books and letters that are not contained within it. Even Jesus Christ himself referenced and quoted many of these books. There have been Bibles which have included many additional books or excluded many popular books due to dispute among Christian scholars.
1: I don't know if it's true that Jesus quoted many of them, but I I get his idea. The other books are quoted. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, go ahead.
0: All right. Altogether, there are hundreds of Jewish and Christian books uh, that at some point— by some people, have been considered to be inspired by God. A, how do you t- t- determine that the books in your Bible are inspired by God? And B, how do you determine that the hundreds of books that are not in your Bible were not inspired by God?
1: Okay, so you, uh, this is, we, we talk about this so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can go to truthrevolution.tv and you can find out so much information about how we got the Bible the way it is. It would take you days to get through it all. Right. Um, well, well, I'll give you an overview here, but of course... What's interesting, he he brings up the difference between the Protestant and Catholic Bibles. That's fine. I'll talk about it. He brings up the Ethiopian Orthodox Bible, which is the one exception of all right. Christian denominations in the world. Like it, It's the one exception that has different books. Um, but I will say like the 66 books in the Protestant Bible that we use is accepted by every church in the world. Right. Okay. So the... Yeah. There are these 66 books, every church in, in the entire world, every Christian church in the entire world accepts these as the word of God. So that's where we're going to start. And the second thing we've got to say is again, it wasn't like, Oh, these <laughs> fell from heaven with a beam of light and right. brought to us by an angel. Like what is the Bible? It was writings from the apostles and prophets that they wrote down and we went, wow we better keep that. Right. So some kept other books. Some churches kept more than others. Um, what is first? Let's just talk about the Apocrypha. Okay. Well, actually let me first talk about the Ethiopian Orthodox okay. Bible. I don't get to talk about this one very often. I'm not going to spend a lot of time it because it's the one exception, but um, they, they have these books uh, suit. Pseudo, There's pseudographic. Uh, I can't even say the word right now. I just love my brain. Uh, pseudo. Greg Anyway, I'm done with it. <laughs> Pseudographical books. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I lost the word. Anyway, you can Google it and laugh at me later. Um, but these books, uh, by and large, are not books that most Christians said were from God. But they're, by and large, books that Christians went, oh, that's interesting. We should we should know about these. Yeah. Uh, and they've incorporated them into their Bibles. Um, and I don't even know if they treat those books with the same authority as they treat the other books. I um, actually tried to do a little search and see what they said about him, uh, and, and I don't know. Yeah,
0: so so would you kind of equate that to? Um, look, you got a bunch of books on your shelf there, um, and so but but you uh, learn out of the Bible, you consider that to be uh, the what is God's word, but sometimes somebody writes a book that that covers something in a really good light, and it brings things out. And, uh, some of the authors that you read just have written really good books and you want to, you'd be like, Hey man, I would suggest you read this book. That yeah. doesn't mean that it's divine, yeah. you know, but it does mean, Hey, that's a good book. You think maybe that's something that they did was they included all these other books that might, uh, be uh, nice side reading.
1: I, I would say that that's how we as Protestants treat the Apocrypha mm-hmm. and some of the books from the Ethiopian Orthodox Bible. Um, I, I think they treat them a little bit higher than that. Okay. Not necessarily as high as other scriptural books. I, I don't want to say too much about it, but um, but yeah, it's we definitely see those books as like yeah, they're probably more you know more important than some other books you could read, but they're not to the level of the Bible. Right. Um, so we're, let's talk about the apocrypha. By the way, if you go to truthevolution.tv TV and just search for Craig Blomberg, B L O M B R E G, we did a show with him. We talked about mm-hmm. the apocrypha, uh, but it's 14 books written between 200. Um, B.C. and 100 A.D. We don't include them because the early church fathers didn't include right. them. The yeah. earliest Christians didn't include these in the Bible. Um, the Jewish teachers didn't. They rejected them. Um, there's some heretical teaching in them, like praying for the dead. That's not in any other part of the Bible. Right. That's another reason they're rejected. Churches didn't accept them until hundreds of years after they were written, and they're not inspired by God. Like First Maccabees even says it's not inspired by God in the book. Right. And so what's super interesting is they were added, the apocryphal books were added in 1546. Okay. Most of the Bible was compiled and agreed on by 100 AD. Okay. These were put together, put in the Bible in 1546, which is interesting. That's just 29 years after Martin Luther caused a huge reformation because he said, Hey, uh, the church is talking about things like praying for the dead and that's not in the Bible. Well, he said that and then they're like, yes, it's in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Look. So, I, you know, I think that's a problem, right? Yeah. Um, How do we determine what books are in and out then? Well, we've gone over this so much. Again, just go to truthevolution.tv and start looking through old shows. But again, the incorrect view is that we determined the canon. Right, yeah. We determined the Bible. It's not true. We've discovered which writings are from God. And as the apostles write and we go, Whoa, that was from the apostle John. And this is powerful. That's good. Uh, you know, Norman Geisler come up with this list. We're running out of time here. So I want to read these really fast. The church is the mother of the Canon wrong view We're the child of the Canon because of the Bible, the church exists. Uh, some people say the church is the regulator of the Canon, but we're not, we're the recognizer We realize that something's from God. We didn't decide it. The church is the master of the canon. No, the real view is that we're the servant of the canon. So we didn't master it. We didn't say these views are going to go into the Bible and these aren't. We we said, well, these writings seem to be from God because they're from the apostles. They wrote them. They were proven by God because they've done miracles. And whatever they wrote, that's what we're going to do. Right. And so it's very different. All right. We got three more questions here that we're going to do. Uh, Get over to truthrevolution.tv if you're listening on the air to make sure you get the rest of this show. We got questions about the earth being flat and the global flood and how do we know the Bible is true overall, things like that. So... TruthRevolution.tv also they should come to Revolution Church on Sundays. Right. You can
0: check us out live.rebo.church if you're afraid to step into the church. That's right. uh, to begin with. So we're recording this
1: show March 3rd, 2021. Mm -hmm. And at this current moment, our service times are 8.30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30. But they're prone to change. So go over to rebo.church and you'll find our current service times. That's rebo.church. And like Dave said, you can watch us live online before you come in person. Yeah. So why not? Live.rebo.church. Sunday mornings, 30, 10 o'clock, and 11.30 as of March 3rd, 2021. All right, we'll be, back, be right back. TruthRevolution.tv for the rest of the show. Truth
0: Revolution. And we're back. We are answering yet again another list of questions asked by an atheist. <laughs> All right, number seven. Number seven. Many times the Bible refers to the earth as being flat. The sun is orbiting the earth and the sky is being a dome as well as the earth sitting on pillars and being stationary. Christians typically don't believe that the Bible is being literal in these instances. A, do you believe that the creation story in Genesis is also an instance where the Bible is not being literal? Or do you believe that it is a literal account of the creation creation of the universe? And B, if so, how do you determine that the Bible is being literal in this instance and not in the other examples?
1: Okay. Dave, what happened this morning um, just after it finished being dark. It got light. And what do we call that? Sunrise? We call it a sunrise. Yeah. Did the sun literally lift up in the yeah, sky? It came
0: right up over the horizon. It's <laughs> unexplainable.
1: Weird how we use this word, <laughs> sunrise and sunset, to describe something that we see, right? We're describing what we see, not what is scientifically accurate. Right. Because the, the sun actually didn't go up or down. We just revolved. Right. And so the, uh, when, when someone starts to criticize the Bible as describing the sun orbiting the earth, um, I think that's funny because the, the writers of the Bible describe from a human perspective, the same way we describe from a human perspective, uh, if they said, we're writing a science book, and here's how the world works right. and universe works. The sun revolves around the earth, and, but they never said that. It's not what they said. In fact, um, it, it doesn't really talk about the earth being flat. It talks about the earth being a sphere, in fact. yes, um, It doesn't really talk about the sun orbiting the earth. I, I've never seen that. It talks about the sky being a dome. That's not true. Uh, it talks about some water, uh, a liquid type thing being around the earth, which honestly— Sounds an awful lot like an atmosphere to right. me. Um, so, you know, he goes on, he says, well, do you believe the creation story is literal? Well, that that depends what you mean by literal. Do I believe it's literally true? Yes. Do I believe that everything there is to be taken in a wooden fashion? No. No, I I don't. Would you, okay, so I, I, I would say last year, the chiefs um, totally- <laughs> totally won the Super Bowl, right? right? They killed the other team. This year they they were demolished. What? Yeah. They were totally, totally demolished this year. It was not pretty. Mm-hmm. But I'm and I would say that's that's like in one sense is literally true. Like yeah. they they definitely got killed. But in another sense, it's not literally they didn't literally get
0: killed. Well, I mean like literally murdered. Yeah, I mean it's it's a good thing that we don't ascribe to believing exactly word for word, what everybody says so literally, because we would go, nobody would understand each other. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. So do I think God literally created the universe? Yes. Mm -hmm. Do I think that God put the world together? Yes. Do I think that the human beings are a special creation of God? Yes. Do I think it happened in seven 24 hour periods? No, I don't think that's what the Bible is describing. Right. Um, he talks about the flood. Did he talk about the flood? I don't know if he talked about the flood. Yeah, no. You know, Do I believe the flood was a real event? Yes. Do I believe it killed all humans? Yes. Do I believe it covered the entire global sphere, including North America and Australia? No. I don't think is what it was trying to say. So he says, how do you determine whether the Bible is being literal or not? I had another atheist friend who was getting on me about this. Yeah, And he said, He goes, Jeff, I just, he goes, I don't know how you can say the Bible's literal or not. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? It's not that hard. And he goes, that's not, he goes, no, it's incredibly difficult. Like Genesis and Exodus sometimes reads like history. I get to the book of Psalms and it sounds like I'm reading poetry. I get into Matthew and it sounds like I'm reading a biography. He goes, then I get into like Romans. It sounds like some theological treatise. Then I get to Revelation. It sounds like some apocalyptic nightmare. He goes, which one is it? And I was like, sounds like you got it.
0: You <laughs> should have just said yes.
1: Yes, right? Like, it's not that hard. Right. You read it, and 90, I mean, for some, I would say 95% of the people who read the Bible, if they would stop thinking about this being the word of God, and if they were just to read it, they would know exactly whether, yeah. whether they were reading history or a metaphor or yeah. whatnot. But for some reason, we get this idea that like, oh, The book fell from heaven, lights extruding from it. And like, this is the word of God. You have to take it literally. Like God's not allowed to use a metaphor or something.
0: Yeah. And we, and we don't want to just throw aside the fact that it's the word of God, but you know, God understands how our minds work. Yeah. Right. And he, it's not like he, he writes this and says, you're probably not going to understand this, but here it is. Um, he understands how our minds work and we can extrapolate by what we're reading, um, whether it's. It, what type of reading it is. And yeah. so, I mean, God's hugely smart and, uh, <laughs> I'm going to quote you in that. God's hugely smart. Yeah, God's hugely smart. <laughs> um, and, um, we can understand what we're reading. I mean, otherwise God wouldn't give it, have given us the word. Yeah. Right.
1: And like you said, it is from God, but he used humans mm-hmm. to write this down. I think every word is as God intended, but it's written from humans right. to a way that humans can understand yes. it. So, I mean, I, I think that's super helpful for people to understand. Yeah. This is not a textbook dictated about scientific truths written by the angel Gabriel and sent to earth in a ball of fire. Right. Right. This I'll
0: is, that would be really cool.
1: <laughs> right. This is just God speaking through people using human language, yeah. metaphors, stories, some of its history, some of it's biography, some of it's apocalyptic. And if you, Stop treating the Bible so weirdly 95 percent of the time you're going to know exactly what's being written when I agree it's being written, when you read it
0: yeah All right um, so we want to talk about prophecy statistics
1: you number Something eight you want
0: to read question number eight? number eight? Oh sorry yeah okay number eight. Hey <laughs> there it is. In your opinion, what are the three best proofs that the Bible is true? And just to clarify, I'm asking specifically for proof of the Bible not a the- not theism.
1: Okay, so he doesn't want Kalon cosmological argument, teleological argument. Yeah, he just
0: wants to know about the Bible. How do
1: we know the Bible is true? And he says Mm -hmm. the three best proofs. Okay, three best proofs for what exactly? I wish I could ask him. Because he says the three best proofs that the Bible is true. Does he actually want the three best proofs that the Bible is true? Or does he want the three best proofs that it's from God? I mean, I know that if it's from God, it's going to be true, but he's really asking two different... Those are two different questions. I'm just going to try to mold them together. Maybe what are the three best proofs that it's a true book from God, maybe is kind of what he's getting at. And then I personally like the cumulative case. So I like to give like nine or 10 things. And by the time you get done, you go, wow, that's got to be from God. Right. What I would say is any
0: kind of truth that you could spit out there, Jeff, that is a proof of anything in the Bible, I think would go towards that? Probably. But
1: I I think if I have to limit it to three, like he asked, I would limit it to three things. Mm -hmm. Prophecy, statistics, and Jesus. Okay. This is how we know it's true, how it's from God and true. First of all, prophecies. The Bible contains numerous detailed and specific prophecies, things foretelling the future, sometimes far in advance, and it's detailed, right? You get prophecies from other books like the Hindu books, and it's like, there will be greedy people.
0: Wow. Really? That,
1: that's true. Oh, <laughs> good you prophecy. Know, you get pro- prophecies from Nostradamus, like a beast will take his place in a scenical play. Like, what is that? what right. does that mean? But then you get to like Daniel nine in the Bible. Okay. Compare those non-Christian prophecies to biblical prophecies and you get to Daniel nine, nine, and it says the temple of, will be destroyed. The temple is destroyed. It will be rebuilt. And then the Messiah will come and die exactly 483 years after the temple is rebuilt. That's it's pretty specific. Really specific. Right. The temple's going to be rebuilt. And then 483 years after that, the Messiah is going to come and die. Like that's really, really stinking specific. Yeah. Uh, you, you have Jesus who in the year 30 or so AD prophesies that the city of Jerusalem is going to fall and the temple will be destroyed. The temple that had stood for 500 years, right. he says, and it's going to happen within this one generation. So Jesus says within one generation, this 500-year-old temple is going to be destroyed and the city of Jerusalem will be sacked. And it happens.
0: Right. right. Within that generation. Yeah. Within that generation.
1: That was detailed. Uh, Psalm twenty two eighteen 18, even prophesied that people would gamble for the Messiah's clothes. Like it while he dying. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you, you get biblical prophecies and they're told far in the future, very detailed, very clear. And it's like, wow, with, without God, that that couldn't have happened. Right. Absolutely. So that's prophecy. Second reason I think the Bible is true is statistics. Okay. So we give this all the time. Right. The odds of you winning the state lottery, going home to find that you just had twins, then dying on a bus ride to another state where you win that state lottery also. And when you phone home, you realize that your wife just had quadruplets. Never mind, you already did. Right. Uh, and when you go outside to rejoice, you see a serious, the world was hit by a seriously damaging meteor from outer space all on the same day. Um, that is about, the odds of that happening is about one in 10 to the 38th power. Right. In other words, impossible. Yeah. You are never going to win two lotteries on the same day that you have quadruplets and twins, and die in a bus wreck. That's not going to happen. Okay? So that's one in 10 to the 38th power. The odds that you could fulfill 48 of the 400 prophecies of the Messiah, one in 10 to the 157th power. Now, we've done this on a lot of shows. I'm giving you the super quick version. But the difference there, one in 10 to the 38th, winning a lottery and all that, versus the Messiah stuff, one in 10 to the 157th power, that's 119 zeros. (laughs) That's huge. Do you know how many zeros that is? If we express 10 to the 119th power in millimeters, that wouldn't just stretch to the moon. And that wouldn't just stretch to the end of our solar system. That actually in millimeters, 10 to the 119th power would go beyond our knowing universe and back over a hundred
0: times. That's some math right there. Okay. That's crazy.
1: If you believe for a fact that you can't win two lotteries, have quadruplets, have twins, and die in a bus wreck on the same day, like that's statistically impossible, then you should be a Christian. Right. Because there's no way Jesus did that on accident. Amen. Uh, you should go to the, our other our website for more on that. And then the third reason um, I believe the Bible is, is Jesus. So you, you get Jesus, and we have historical confirmation, secular confirmation of his death, uh, and that people believed in the resurrection and gave up their lives to follow him. Yeah. And what do we have from the life of Jesus? He confirms the Old Testament as from God, right? We have multiple quotes from Jesus saying it is written, right? Meaning this is what the word of God says. So Jesus himself confirms the Old Testament is true. Then Jesus says, I'm putting these guys in charge. Holy Spirit's going to come. He predicts the New Testament. And so he confirms the old. He predicts the new. This was given to us by Jesus. And we say, hey, because Jesus said it, I believe it because Jesus lived, died, and rose from the dead. Some would say that's circular reasoning. The reason it's not is because we have evidence that Jesus lived, died, and rose from the dead. It's not just what the Bible said. Right? right? You have people who gave up their lives, changed their cultures to follow Jesus because they saw him risen from the dead. And those are the same guy that said, this writing is from God. So because someone rose from the dead and said it, and those other people— were willing to get up their lives to say that he rose from the dead and they were actually put to the death, right? 11 of the 12 apostles were put to death for following Jesus because they wouldn't recant. And they all said Jesus really derives from the dead and numerous others. Uh, yeah, we. I believe that. I believe right. Jesus rose from the dead. So, yeah. all, right.
0: all right. Number nine A, is it better to avoid criticism and to silence critics, or is it better to engage with critics and to refute criticism? And B, which of these two options do you find to be the approach that most Christians take?
1: What do you think, Dave?
0: Well, I think it's better to engage with critics and refute criticism um, in a loving way. The Bible pretty much tells us to do this, right? Um, I don't think it's ever at all... Uh, good to avoid talking to somebody about the Bible because um, lives are at stake. I mean, eternal life is at stake and um, nothing gets done that way. And your purpose here is to is to serve God. And so we serve God and we confront lies. We confront, uh, you know, wrongs or confusion, because we don't want there to be confusion. We want everybody to be totally knowledgeable about who Jesus is and why you should believe in him. Simple.
1: Okay. So my answer, um, <laughs> hold on. I was like, I'm, I'm going to look something up. Okay. Um, because I, if you read that question, you're like, should we engage with critics or not? What pops to my mind is it depends on the critic. Okay. In Proverbs 26, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you'll be like him. Yes. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he'll be wise as an owner eyes. Right. As. Okay. What, what's the point of this verse? Sometimes critical people are just fools and they will not listen and they're not going to be helpful to you. Right. Sometimes critics will actually listen, actually have good, healthy debate. Sometimes you can learn even from that. So I think it depends on the person we're talking about. Um <laughs> so some critics, yeah, let's engage, let's have those discussions. Some of them, definitely not worth it, right? You
0: know, and I do think that that Christians do take both approaches. Um, mm-hmm. Just depends on the Christian you're talking about, you know. So
1: yeah, I mean, which which do most Christians take? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're doing the show, we're answering these questions, so I think we we try to approach mm-hmm. most critics pretty well. I we work with organizations like Reasons to Believe; that's their goal. <laughs> I mean, there's so many Christians that do it the right way. Are there ones that do it the wrong way? Yeah, Yeah. definitely. hundred percent, of course. Especially a lot of cultural Christians. And by that, I mean people who claim the name of Christ, not because they're seriously engaged with their Bible and really love God, but like, I grew up, my grandpappy was a deacon in the church and by golly, I got my Bible, my guns and. Yeah. And don't you tell me I'm not a Christian, Don't you be saying nothing against Jesus?
0: right. and yeah. and the need to be right, you know and yeah. that, that need to be right, which um, I, I've been there, you know, i've I've lived that. When I was a cultural Christian, like you said, before I, I really, truly got saved, um, I was there. so and I, and i've I've said a lot of stupid things, <laughs> yeah, as my friends will attest. All right, last question. And lastly, are you open to the possibility that you might be wrong?
1: Yeah. Sure. I mean about Christianity? Mm -hmm. Yes. In in the same but I would say that I've been a Christian so long now and study the Bible so in depth now and research so much about truth and falsehood now that I'm open to the possibility that I might be wrong in the same way I'm open to the possibility that I might actually be in a coma in a hospital and this is all a dream. Hmm. Like, is it possible? Yeah And if suddenly some overwhelming evidence came to light And made it clear Yeah, I'd still change But all of my experience and all of my knowledge up to this point Lead me to say I'm not. I'm probably not yeah, going to change It that, would have
0: to be pretty overwhelming Yeah, that evidence would have to be out of the park, right? Yeah, I mean, it would yeah. have to be something that's totally undeniable Where you yeah. would find no way out
1: Yeah, yeah so, great. Hey, thanks for listening to the Truth Revolution. I hope this was helpful. And uh, if, if uh, the, the guy who put this together, if, if you ever watch this show, feel free to, to hit us up. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, everybody else, come on out to Revolution Church when you get a chance and get out to truthrevolution.tv. Thanks. Truth Revolution.